0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke and with me as always from across the pond, the Kingsman to my Statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how's it going, sir? Very well, my friend. We've entered spring over here. We're in a new season,
1: so we've gone from an unseasonably cold 40 degrees maybe in, in American temp. Suddenly it jumped up 30, almost almost doubled that, almost 80 degrees today out of nowhere. Yesterday raining, today ridiculously hot and then apparently it's gonna snow at the end of the week so um
0: oh really wow. good here how about you <laughs> uh we did the traditional florida thing we went from uh spring to summer uh, i'm sorry no from winter to summer it went it's from being like spring to summer is pretty yeah that's that's normal that's normal uh, <laughs> but you no know, you know we went uh from being quite cool to being pretty much hot already it's like in the 90s and <sighs> you know it is exactly what we expect it to be here in Florida, but it's, it's fine. Um, no, no rain yet. And that's always bad because it gets hotter. Um, and yet, you know, there's humidity. I don't know. Florida weather is awful. Uh, it's, you know, yesterday was somewhat decent in the afternoon. I went, uh, I went for my afternoon run still a little too early and I was regretting it pretty quickly. Like I got immediately, <laughs> my leg cramped like within the first block. And then, uh, I was dripping sweat by the time I was done. Got to commit, man. You got to finish it. Oh, I did. I still got to the five K, uh, Mark, you know, uh, um, oh, man
1: went for, a, I went for a four mile walk today, which is, I don't know. What's that? Probably five K, I guess maybe five and a half K, um, give or take. So, um, I've been on the exercise train as well. I thought whilst it's warm, get outside before it starts snowing apparently so um i'm basically trying to hang on to your coattails and pretend to be as disciplined as you are
0: well you know it it, it's it helps uh to have the heat i guess in that way because suddenly you are sweating way more than you you were doing so beforehand but um but we're not here to only talk about the weather although that is a tradition for us we do like to to discuss no matter what show it is weather um, however, we're here, uh, this week, usually, if you're new to the show, we review th- uh, a very new release, um, it used to be a theatrical release, but the last year has made that not likely, uh, although soon, folks, soon, it will be back to the theaters we go, uh, my second vaccine is a week from, uh, yesterday, <laughs> um, so I will be vaccinated up, uh, and two weeks later, I will return to the theater for the first time in over a year, Guess. um, but, uh, this week, there wasn't a, we were gonna be doing kong versus zilla godzilla versus kong i don't even know what it's called it's just fighting yeah we were going to do that this week but hbo max and warner brothers delayed it till next week so next week's episode we'll be covering that which we'll talk about again later but we needed to find something that was somewhat recent and there's a documentary that had been uh itching at me scratching and clawing its way into my mind i couldn't get past <laughs> it and it's called the last blockbuster from 2020 it's a netflix original i guess you could call it that it's yeah. ironic in and of itself yeah, um,
1: yeah. although the Apparently. movie would say otherwise yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah
0: but um but i think most of our, our the public perception is netflix killed uh, the video rental store uh, yeah. as the song from the 80s i was about 20s. to say there's a
1: song in there but Buggles uh, the would have a go on that
0: but uh, this movie, The Last Blockbuster, it was directed by Taylor Morden, uh, written by Zeke Cam, or Zeke Cam, depending on how you want to go, uh, or how he's feeling saucy that day or she, uh, Okay. featuring Sandy Harding, uh, Kevin Smith, Ioni Skye, Brian Posehn, Doug Benson, Paul Shearer, Sam Levine, and many, many more. Um, it's a, the synopsis is a documentary of the last remaining Blockbuster video located in Bend, Oregon everybody's favorite city in Oregon of course um popular show that was on uh, IFC I think called Bendigan oh wait no that's not it uh Bendlandia no that's not it um but uh has a 67 percent Rotten Tomato score 59 Meta score, and a 6.9 IMDB user score and again this is on Netflix right now streaming you can uh pause the podcast if you haven't seen it go watch it but don't worry because we won't spoil anything um I guess kind of we will because this is a documentary and it's not like uh it's not quite the same thing as yeah. a, a narrative film, um, so I, I enjoyed the movie. It's hard not to. Uh, I I miss. I, no surprise here, probably listeners, but I miss going to rent movies at a video yeah. store so much. Um, and like I, I've I've used Netflix long before most people were were using Netflix, both for renting DVDs and for streaming uh, movies. Like I was streaming early like i was an early adopter to the the dual package where you'd have the dvds and the streaming service because xbox 360 had it and i was like cool other people were like what's streaming i'm like what are you talking about it's like you watch the movie You're like what? You, they give you a disk i'm like no <laughs> it's fine but like that's and i'm i'm very tech savvy in the first place so it was you know i've i've been on board for that but even then i did subscribe to blockbuster's version of that where you could go yeah. uh you get the disc through the mail or you could even bring the disc to the store and swap something out right there like it was, was a great a service and I loved it. And I don't know if people know this, but uh, I don't. I don't know if this is a, a Europe thing. Do you have the vending machine movie rentals? Uh, we have them called Redbox here.
1: We don't have a Redbox. I mean, certain stores when I was growing up had similar things. But um, not not so much anymore now. I mean, these are like small, like convenience stores.
0: Blockbuster had them when Redbox first came into existence. There was a sudden uh, surge where there were Blockbuster k- kiosks at certain stores. Those they did not last convenient. very long. They tried everything and they just couldn't last. Um, yeah, I have always been a big fan of Blockbuster Video. I, you know, we had a few mom and pop like uh, video stores around as well. But Blockbuster was a big part of my life for a long time. Like I would, I mean, as long as I can remember um i actually i have friends who i met that when they worked at blockbuster like still the guys i play video games with i met yes. originally uh, working at blockbuster um my until i recently switched the gym that i'm going to but where my gym is it used to be a blockbuster and it makes me sad that's, every time i go in it okay that's cool but at the same time that's not cool and then my my current gym used to be a toys r us so um Which is even less cool as well right <laughs> it's, it's all weird but um we are just this, basically
1: sweating on the grave of our childhood here.
0: Yes, like, all over the place. See like, like, the spot where I now sweat? This used to be where I <laughs> bought video games. Um, because of the Phantom Menace merch stand. But, uh, so everything about this documentary should appeal to me 100%. Like, I should be fanning out completely yeah. about this. Um, and, and and honestly, uh, if you don't know this about me, I, I always talk about the Blank Check podcast, but Doug, uh, Doug Loves Movies and the Kevin Smith uh, Smodcast oeuvre, when I first started listening to podcasts like nine years ago, those were my two like entry points. It was Nerdist. And then all of the Kevin Smith stuff and Doug Benson. Those were the podcasts mm-hmm. that I started with. I still listen to Doug Love Movies. I have, re- I had reduced to only one Kevin Smith podcast several years ago. The Hollywood Babylon is my favorite. Um, they have not done a, an episode for basically a year because there is a live based show. Yep. So since the pandemic, they have not really done one. So I, I, they, they do these comic book readings. I don't like those. So I don't listen to those. So I haven't listened to that in a while, but so I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. I'm a big Doug Benson fan. I've seen Brian Posehn live and stand up here. Uh, nice. I'm a, I'm a fan of his. So like this, this doc has so many things that just appeal to me. And yet I found a lot of it superfluous and I felt like they were stretching to hit the feature length runtime. Like, I feel like they were really desperate to get to the hour 30 and they're just like, ah, how about we have this film critic from Oregon, like outline his process of renting a movie, like not (laughs) the process of renting a movie, literally his process of renting a movie, like leaving his house and they have B roll of him entering a bathroom for some reason. That's like in the middle of nowhere, as though it was his house. It's It's not a bad documentary by any means. Uh, I found some of the stories to be very compelling. As big of a Kevin Smith fan as I I am, it felt like he was just there because of celebrity and not it felt like had no, rolled him out. Yeah, it, a lot of what he said just sounded like him ad libbing and like riffing, uh, it, it it felt <laughs> mostly insincere. Um, some of the celebrities I thought were a little more invested. I thought Brian Posehn had some interesting stuff to add. I thought yeah. Doug. I thought Doug's early stuff was pointless, but his later stuff, when he actually goes to the blockbuster, I thought was really great and it felt genuine and sincere. Uh, Sam Levine should have been used way more because that dude is a movie buff. I don't know yeah. if you know this about him; he's a regular yes. of Doug- Douglas' movies. The dude is a beast. He knows and, his stuff. Um, and I thought Paul Shear was excellent. I thought he was one of the better like speakers in general. Paul's got a really. Paul's also a big movie nerd. He does several movie podcasts. In fact, um, uh, I, I I think they were trying to have this like Sandy Harding is the owner of this, or at least the, the main operator of the uh, blockbuster. That's the last. The manager, yeah. um, and I think they were trying to have like this personal story, but even she didn't seem like the stakes were that high. She's like, yeah, if it closes, it's fine. Like it was <laughs> never like they were yeah. trying to make it like it was this big, like, you know, dramatic thing. And she, it didn't feel like it was at no. moments it did, but for the most part, it never felt like it, but it felt like the documentary wanted us to think like, the lives are going to change. It's like, no, no, it's, it's, I mean, it's sad. It's sad because it's, it's something that we loved and it's gone and we don't really fully understand why it's gone, I guess. Like, I mean, we do, but we don't. And, mm-hmm. and again, it, it does sound like it didn't have to. And, uh, we lost family video, which was a competitive, a competitive, uh, rental thing here in the States during the pandemic, it had been sticking around and they have like a strong online presence. I actually, I've never been to a family video, but I bought a bunch of used movies online from family video and now they're gone. So like we are the, the whole experience of going to a place and renting a movie is basically gone. Um, and it, it is likely, uh, I think we'll see a, some kind of a resurgence with physical movies. Like we have seen with vinyl, Um, And even the cassette tape has made a a small comeback, not nearly as significant as vinyl, but there is a push for like cassette tapes again, which is stupid because cassette tapes were never good. Like they were (laughs) always a horrible choice. Like they broke all the time. Quality-wise
1: wasn't the best in terms of production quality.
0: Yeah, so I don't know why that's making a comeback, but I mean, it it is. So is there a chance we're going to get like retro rental stores? Yes, 100%. I think it's probably a good chance... Um, and it seems like the, the Dish Network's a little loosey goosey with the Blockbuster, right? So they might let people like franchise again, even just like, yeah, 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 fine. Here's, here's the, here's the stuff. But overall, I thought the doc was, was engaging. It was, uh, mostly entertaining. Some of it felt, um, there's a lot of like reenactments and stuff that I, I find that, that often cheesy. And it's even more cheesy when it's like, Yeah, but what's the point? Is it just to pad the Mm -hmm. runtime? Because that's what it feels like. It feels like it's just to pad the runtime. So you're not a short, but you're a feature-length doc. It's not going to change anything significant. And I guess maybe because of the circle that I keep, a lot of what they told me I already knew because I'm so invested in the movie world. Uh, I didn't feel like I was learning something where if you are like more of a casual movie viewer, this might be very informative. Maybe you didn't even know this existed. I was very much aware that the last blockbuster existed. And if I could travel, I would totally go like I would hundred percent go in and, and check it out. I, I don't think I'm going to go all the way to bend Oregon just for that. <laughs> but if there was like a festival or something going on, I would totally like make the drive to, to the, the blockbuster, but that's my take on it. What did, what did you think of the documentary?
1: Not a million miles from yourself, my friend. It's, it's certainly not, you know, I, I, I can't think of any way in which the last blockbuster would be bad. It would have, could have been like a really awful documentary, but I do think this is a 45-minute documentary at best. Um, there was a lot you could save off. Like you say, it, there was a lot of things which did feel a lot like padding. Kevin Smith, hey, look, Kevin Smith gets wheeled out for these kind of things. It's like the resident pop culture dude, and he did have the air of a man who was like, My check hasn't cashed yet, so let's make this quick. Um, But fair doozy turned up. Uh, The people they got were interesting. Brian Pussain, like you say, he had a lot of interesting stories as he worked in a different store at the time, which allowed him, a a vinyl store, and he was talking about the differences in kind of um, from the corporate side to more the independent side of stores, which is quite fun. And the last time I saw him was in the pilot episode of The Mandalorian as well um Doug oh, yeah. Benson was Doug Benson was I found Doug Benson to be fine uh, he annoyed me when he went into the shop because mm. he just he started touching things and didn't put them back properly eventually oh, wow. he did but I was like he's just throwing things around and then he name dropped somebody I thought don't name yeah yeah you name dropped the Sorry. Obi-Wan Kenobi star Kumail I got I got too excited because I'm a big Kumail <laughs> and, uh, as soon as I first the first thing I thought was you name dropping then I thought it's going to work for the book though so you know every cloud. Um, No, I thought it, I thought it was good. I thought the story with Sandy Harding was fine. You know, it is what it is. They kind of wheeled out all of her family and her extended family and her family's extended family to kind of be like, look, this is a family business. And if it goes to pot, we're all going to fail. But like you said, it was a case kind of case of, well, you know, my husband's retired. I may retire in six years anyway. So if it does go to pot, you know, it's sad, but I'll still be okay. And, it did have the air of the, the this blockbuster did have the air. Nobody, somebody said it of like a novelty store. It 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 was really odd to kind of watch how blockbuster went from the giant, the place to rent videos because we have one back home in Woking on on our Guildford Guildford Road. We have one on the corner. My brother he posted in our social. He used to work there. He said it's the best job he's ever had in terms of just like everything they said in the documentaries. Everything my brother told me. You know, it, it was that. It was that kind of the communal feel where the people you worked with was like a tribe of film fans or entertainment fans. And it was just a good place to work a good time. Um, So it's really hard to see it go from that to what is basically a family run store. It feels like a family run store with the blockbuster name. It didn't feel like a blockbuster, but Bend, Oregon looks lovely. looks like a really nice little town. I'd love to head over to Bend uh, at some point in my life. I would love honestly generally would. I was thinking to myself, I'd love to go there. Because I, I, I like you, I used to go to Blockbuster as a kid. My dad used to take us, not all the time, or mum, not all the time, but we'd go there, and it was like an event, which is what they said on the DVD documentary. I know you feel the same, and I know a lot of people feel the same. You know, you'd rock up the Blockbuster, you'd open the doors, and it, the smell hits you, and then there's a blue and yellow, and then you've got walls of films. So, you know, films that you've gone to see, some you've never seen. I always remember, I've told you before, seeing Stephen King's It there that must be my most prominent memory of blockbuster growing up was i'd always see stephen king's it staring at me it scared the hell out of me but i remember uh, we used to go there and get a, uh, a film or two every now and then it was the kind of worry w- was the vi- videotape going to be there behind the cover yeah. the i uh, went the last time last thing i bought was paranormal activity on blu-ray and i i like I, what i like what you said as well cuz i'd got this down the casual casual fans who may have thought Netflix was the be all and end all and the, the destroyer, the slayer of blockbuster. I mean, I still think they were to an extent. Um, this documentary tries to put a different spin on that and give an alternative reason, which also makes sense. But yeah, with the rise of Netflix, I even say Netflix had the capital, blockbuster had the franchise, and only one was ever going to come out on top. So. Uh, there is enough here for the those who don't know the story. If you do know the story, it is a fun trip down nostalgia lane. I mean, it's, uh, but there's nothing like vital. And it is just a kind of love letter to the video store that we grew up loving, man. So but yeah. those uh, when, as soon as you read out those sc- critic scores and meta scores, I kind of sat there and thought, man, that seems low. But no, I don't think they do. I don't think they do. I mean, 67% on RT... I mean what six uh, six out of ten people liked it. I would have thought it'd be high just because there's nothing grossly wrong with this. It is just a bit too but long.
0: I do think there is there is more that could have been told. And I think that's what's missing. I also I do feel like I don't know if it's Taylor Morton or if it's um I assume it's him that we hear like in some of the interviews. It it I don't know, man, there's like it there's like a try hard vibe to this documentary like yeah, i really yeah. want to be the next like morgan spurlock but it's like yeah but your subject matter isn't that you know your subject matter this is yeah. like and again he clearly does because he got a lot of comedians that are movie people like his, mm. paul Shear's a comedian first but he's a movie guy we got a, uh, a good
1: solid lineup though. right and the dude from Tromer as well who just basically uh, just destroyed them which was but just but for no reason right like so i mean
0: i i like that i thought that was balance, funny but yeah but it it, it isn't like why, why, if you're going to tell that story, like, let's dive into that. Like, but if I feel you take like,
1: that out, nothing, nothing changes.
0: I feel like there's a lot of surface level stuff. Like, he doesn't dive deep enough with a lot of, like, the history. And I think there is history to be, maybe he didn't have the access, uh, but I think that's it. Yeah. But then that's, that's, do you make it then? If you can't, if you can't get it to be, and again, it's not like uh, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just like, I think that there could be a bigger blockbuster documentary. You could
1: make this more international because, um, the United States is the same as every other country. You know, everything exists within that bubble. Blockbuster was, I know they, they kind of showed a very small snippet of, uh, a couple of Australian anchors talking about it to Sandy and yeah. her extended, extended, extended family. And had, a, and they had a Spanish dude turn up at the end. Mm-hmm. Blockbuster was a huge all around the world, man, in the, in the major territories around the world, like especially here in the UK. Blockbuster was massive. Would have loved, you would have loved to have had, uh, a, you know, again, budgetary reasons. It would have loved to, And obviously COVID. Fly over to the UK. Speak to people within the industry in the UK. Speak to store owners or film fans, whatever. I don't mean me. I'll come on, though. Go you know, go to Australia. Go to Japan, wherever it may be. Yeah. Yes, this is a lot of money. But to give it that really kind of, this is what Blockbuster really meant. Because it did feel quite small, didn't it? It was focusing on the last Blockbuster
0: yeah, but it felt small in that way, and and that's the thing. Like, if you're, I see why you would want to center it around this lock, last blockbuster because it is a compelling idea. Um, yeah, yeah, but it it does not feel as important as I think it. Sh- he wants it to. Like, I, mm-hmm. I feel like he really wants it to feel like it's this major milestone, this last you know ditch effort, this uh the, you know struggling to survive in a world where that's changing around it, mm-hmm. and it, it just it never gets there. And I think partly. Well, I think there is some sincerity with the comedians. I think they're trying to make it funny, and I feel like he's trying to make it funny at times. Yeah.
1: Well, you see, he's kind of there's, there's an interaction. I think it's with Doug Benson where he's saying like, you know, maybe maybe you could say this to start with, and they, they put that in there. And I'm thinking, I don't want to see that. I know, yeah. I know the vibe you are going for is like, he's kind of like the whole blockbuster, like uh, laid back, calm, casual, pop culture
0: entertainment vibe. You know, let's all have fun, but. Didn't yeah, work. It, it makes it feel less authentic as a documentary too. Like yeah. I, I don't need it to be cinema verite, you know. Every time, of course, or yeah. like that. but it, I do like. I want to believe that in a documentary, you're not coaching the interviews like, cause yeah. then it doesn't feel like a documentary. It feels like a scripted film. And well, then
1: the trauma guy was like, do you even know who I am? And he, and of course he probably did know who he was, but he was just like, you don't know who you haven't done your research. It, the guy was literally just like outing him. like yeah. bit, he, Some could see it as him being a bit rude. I was could see him being a bit irked. Like, why am I here? If you don't even know who I am, even though he was just asking a genuine question.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And again, he chose to leave that in the movie. Mm-hmm. maybe because he thought it was funny but i don't know like and again this isn't a documentary that needs to be taken seriously no. and i'm okay with the comedic tone but i don't know maybe it's it's just something about the filmmakers uh style that so, did yeah. didn't quite mesh with me and i think i think christian Shaw was credited as the narrator or it's uh, laura uh, lapkus. lapkus that's it uh, uh laura lapkus narrated and, this really fine job but yeah, yeah, but again it's like but why? Cuz he narrates parts of it too. Like you know yep. what I'm saying like yeah, why it, did you it felt do a on? bit
1: it just felt it, again it's nothing wrong with it it is just a right. bit kind of it kind of felt like Taylor had this w- great idea and just really wanted to get it done rather yeah. than taking the time because like you said like I I would have liked it to have felt bigger. I know it's about the last blockbuster but they did touch on you know blockbuster as a whole. They got the guy from Troma in just because they they went to other places around blockbuster, the history of it. But like you say, it's very, very surface level. So if you're going to get the guy, the dude from Troma and all these other play people on, then, you know, that's got nothing to do with the last Blockbuster to me. That's got nothing to do other than, you know, here's a very quick run through of Blockbuster until, until, until here we are now. You know, make it about, make it into a big thing. Like this was what Blockbuster meant to people around the world. And then like vroom. now all we have is this one in Bend, Oregon. And then you kind of like... God damn, I've just seen all these people around the world eul- eulogizing about Blockbuster.
0: Yeah. And now you're telling me this is all that's left? Now yes. I care a bit more. I, th- I agree with that. I also, I would have, I got to be honest, I don't always feel this way, but I would have loved to Werner Herzog last Blockbuster. I think, <laughs> I think him doing the questions and the narration would have been yeah. so much fun. And he would have been like, I remember when I was a child and I got my first video. I don't know what accent that is. I was trying real hard for her. Share
1: a libation to celebrate our
0: shared narrative. It, yes. Or, it, it, closing it, was, or whatever, it, yeah so much more weighty and i just think because he's weighty with a sense of humor that's the thing i really like about her song is that yeah, you, yeah. Like, you can't always tell it's very which, which version you're getting are you getting the kind of like slight like goofy <laughs> version or are you getting this really sincere oh or is that the same person and i'm just making I'm um, i am assuming like no way he's that serious like no no he yeah. is he's totally that. Serious. but uh i i don't know um Again, I, I did like this. I'm acting like I didn't. I, I I totally was it was fine. I just I really value Blockbuster so much uh as a as a memory, as a nostalgia thing that I feel like this didn't it didn't trigger the nostalgia that I thought it would. Like I thought I would be like, Man, I really miss this and I never felt the longing for it. Even though I constantly feel the longing for it. Like when I want a movie, I'm like, Yes, I can rent it on voodoo and I can have it instantly. But it's so overwhelming sometimes to browse. Like I don't know how many hours of my life since streaming became a thing that I've just scrolled through every movie. And
1: you're just just waiting for a little thumbnail potentially to grab your attention. Right.
0: But you can't pick that thumbnail up and look at the back of it. You can click it, but, or you like bump into somebody and they're like, Oh, have you seen this? Like, no, no, I rented it last week. It was great. Like I, those encounters while I am socially awkward, that has happened to me more in those scenarios than anywhere else. And, um, um, and again, there was that like there's a little bit of control because you get there, and it wasn't there. You know, you had a plan. you wanted that movie. It's not there now it was like, well, I want a movie, so I'm gonna have to look and then suddenly you find something you stumble across something you would have never saw and and they brought up the the employee recommendations, and I love that, yeah, um, I love yeah. seeing what they recommend and our local movie theater, um all of the their name tags, they have their favorite movie on it. Yeah. I don't Same here. Yeah. I, I I take that as like probably not entirely accurate but you know nonetheless like <laughs> i like seeing that kind of thing i like that human interaction um that you don't get from the streaming services and that that's something that i do miss and more too like at Redbox, i hate waiting in line to like like there's very rarely a line, but like if you pull up to the because most of them are outdoors like outside of a walgreens or whatever mm-hmm. and it, you pull up and there's somebody there i don't want to go hover behind them and i can't like hey what are you getting or what did you bring back or you know like you it doesn't if, feel the same like if it were we a just a
1: queue on you, yeah
0: yeah uh and even I remember walking up to the counter and like checking what what just came back what's returned because like, yes yes I didn't have what I wanted and and like you mentioned buying I miss buying the used stuff because they would buy 20 copies of the new movie and in a month you could buy it for like five bucks and yeah, it was yeah, a price, man, great yeah. deal um it was a great way I I still I think most of my Wes Anderson DVDs came from Blockbuster. Like I would buy them yeah, like yeah. a month or two later. I've still got the paranormal activity somewhere with the sticker
1: on it. And you mentioned yeah. and I, I was gonna say as well, but you mentioned the, the cause they say it on there like could it make a resurgence like the vinyl stores have? There's a few few vinyl stores around here. You go in, you know, maybe grab a coffee, you've browse the vinyls, you listen to vinyls, all good fun. I, I don't see a, I, I you know, I'm never you're never gonna see a franchise again. You never I don't think you're ever gonna see a new blockbuster where you walk in. We have obviously in the States you have stores where you can go in and buy um DVDs and CDs or whatever. Uh, we've got HMV and that over here, so we've got that. But a video rental store, it does serve a purpose because like you say, you can look online, but sometimes things aren't available to stream, as we know. You have to go out and buy it. Sometimes yeah. I don't want to buy a film from 1963. I would like to go and rent it. Yes, you can rent it online, but again, you can't always do that. Just having that other option, man, or even like the whole try before you buy. I think there is a way that it can survive, but it would be on a very small, minimal level. You know, maybe only the major cities have it or whatever. But there is
0: a very small uh, window for these kind of places to work. The one thing that would be an interesting question, too, is like you see the resurgence of vinyl. People are buying record players again. Like I know a lot of my friends. Like I have the physical copies of movies, and I'm like, oh, I can loan you the DVD. And they're like, oh, I don't have a DVD player. I'm like, oh, you yeah. don't have like an Xbox or a PlayStation? Yeah. Like, no, I don't play video games. I'm like, oh, see, that's always been an advantage, I guess, for me. But even now, the PS5 yeah. and the Xbox Series One, Series S. I don't know what the stupid but the Xbox crazy. needs to get their naming conventions together. The Xbox letter. But, <laughs> but uh, they both have a non-disc version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you, and it's cheap it is cheaper. So a lot of people are probably opting for that. So more and more people aren't even going to have a player meaning if there was a resurgence, would we get DVDs? Would we get Blu-rays or would we get VHS tapes? Would that make a comeback like vinyl? That's
1: a good shout. I mean, I'd love to, I'd like to, I'd love to see the VHS come back, but I think, I I reckon it would be DVD before anything else, but yeah, I know I, I have to get. get uh, that's the reason I bought a PlayStation. Do was to have that
0: blue R- DVD man. slash Blu-ray player. That on, was right? my first DVD player. Was a PS2, mm-hmm. and uh, my first DVD was Rush Hour Two. I think, uh, if I'm remembering uh, correctly, but that was what it came. You know, my my uh, girlfriend <laughs> at the time, and uh, it was an old girlfriend, and my mom like worked together and got me a PS2, oh, and nice. I think uh Rush Hour. And I can't. I feel like I got something else pretty early into the DVDs, but that was definitely my first. Oh, oh, uh, *Austin Powers* Gold Member—that was my other Get DVD. Gold Member. Um, I don't remember my first. I should do in my head. I know what my first DVD was. It was something
1: awful, but uh, I, I remember it one day. And, and on a episode, an episode of *The Vampire* will just randomly shout out a film. Okay. I, I can't remember. I probably have it somewhere, but I don't remember my first DVD. Well, that's a good question though, because back then DVDs were like wildly overpriced, like VHS were mm-hmm. back in the day, yeah. And blue Blu-ray when they came out as well it was. So you know, expensive.
0: I want to see a resurgence of HD DVD. Let's, you know, like, like suddenly... Uh, that, honestly, if we're looking at the vinyl comparison, Laserdisc feels like the closest. VHS... I, I can't see people making an argument to having VHS. Like I know some people like the tracking lines it's or whatever. Retro. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't like, I like the clear crystal picture that we get because there's people who make arguments for that with film grain too. Like, Oh, I want it on film strip so I can see the, the film grains. Like yeah, I'm good with not seeing the. Film. Mm-hmm. I like the picture. Like I don't need to see that it's there's texture on it. So
1: I, I, I love, know. I love the film. Graham. I love watching an old seventies horror with film grain. I prefer watching that to a crystal clear version but the film's still the same. It doesn't really matter. It's just an athletic choice. I could, if I really want to, I'll boot up the damn film on my computer and I'll add a layer of film grain myself. Just edit it and put some film grain in. You can do that nowadays. It's easy. So yeah, I, I love having, I love the film grain, but at the same time I watch the Exorcist in 4k and it's just as damn good as it is in, in, on VHS.
0: there you go. Um, but that's our review of the last blockbuster. We should probably, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, uh, we don't dislike the movie. It's on Netflix. It's worth checking out, especially if you are like us, uh, blockbuster movie nerds, and we can't help yep. it. Um, but let's go to our next segment where we look at chuffed headlines. Uh, movie pop culture news that caught our attention. Um, oh, I'm excited. Uh, Matt? Oh, wait, maybe I'm not excited. Oh, <laughs> I just got a bad... Like, you know when you kind of like taste vomit in the back of your... Like, I just yep. got that. Uh, Matt, what's your headline, sir? Mine is simply Sylvester Stallone reveals he's writing a pitch for a Rocky
1: prequel series. So Rocky, which was came out in 76, I believe, won Best Picture and Best Director and probably Best Screenplay, I want to say as well. A nominee for 10 Oscars. Who would have thought it? Uh, then went on to produce some, you know, fantastic cheese afterwards before having a resurgence with... I think Rocky Balboa in 2006 is is great. I really like that film. And the two Creed films are good as well. And now Sylvester Stallone jumped on Instagram to post an image of his pitch for what he said is ideally 10 episodes for a couple of seasons to really get to the heart of the characters from the first film in their younger years. So he basically wants to do a Rocky prequel series centered around the main characters, which are probably Rocky, Mickey, Adrian and Paulie. Um, I don't think we'll see Apollo Creed. So basically, what what are they g- getting up to? But he wants to. This the interesting part is it will be set around like the cultural zeitgeist of the sixties. So what's happened in the sixties? You've got um, the moon landing, the sexual revolution, uh, the new left, the hippie movement, the Cold War, the civil rights movement. All of that would play a part in the background of what was going on with Rocky Balboa, and we because how we see the characters in the first film. You know, Rocky is, Rocky and Adrian's fine. Paulie's a bit, in the first film, Paulie's a bit problematic, shall we say. So uh, they'd have to really, how they'd work him, uh, to make him like less problematic. And then we watched Rocky and we're like, no, he really didn't, doesn't like certain things. Um, but I think it would have to be Rocky and Mickey's story, which would be interesting to me. So I love those films. I really do love those films, the Rocky films, even the really bad ones, of which four is. But I like the idea of setting it in the sixties because there is a lot to build off there, and I do think Stallone's a very a decent writer, especially when it comes to Rocky. Yeah. When he wants to be, you think I think he's a great writer. Uh, so the ingredients are there. You know, who's going to play Rocky? Who's going to who's going to play these characters? Who's going to step into Sylvester Stallone's shoes and play Rocky? Are we going to get a caricature performance? What? You know what? What's the point? As well, there's got to be a point. I mean, it sounds great—a Rocky prequel series. I mean, it's never been made up until now. Why exactly? Why? Why do we need it? So, I mean, I you know, if 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 they dropped it and said, "Yeah, we're having a t- we're having twenty episodes split over two seasons," I'd be excited. I'd watch it. But you've seen this man, and you've tasted a bit of sick. So, what are you thinking about hearing any of that?
0: Well, you know, I don't know. It it feels like he was he had said he was done with Rocky and then we got Creed because coogler pitched this really great idea. Yeah. And and it was and and Creed is excellent. I I was less thrilled with Creed 2 and I think it was suffered severely from Kugler not being involved. Yeah. Um and we are getting Creed 3. I Michael don't know. B Jordan's directing. I did not know that. He That's directing it. Yeah. So he's in. He's all in. Um, i I loved the dynamic between him and Tessa Thompson in the first film so I yeah. really hope they they bring that t- more to the forefront because I yeah. felt like it got i like a kid I now, so yeah um but i I, I don't know like did you I, I don't remember if i'm if I'm pushing this onto the character or if it's very clear but Rocky like appeared to like maybe be a strong man for like the mob right in like the first movie yeah. um so I wonder if that's gonna be like are we gonna get like the wire almost version of like rocky like Ooh roughing guys up for the mob or Ooh, something you know because yeah he's, uh, he's down he, we all know the story of Rocky. he's down and out it's yeah. the underdog
1: story isn't it so yeah
0: so uh, it'd be interesting this because yeah he's not a good boxer like we'll see him boxing but he'll be losing or he'll be just scraping by yeah um or and strict
1: he, fights again or something
0: yeah yeah or throwing fights for the mob or something mm-hmm. like that like we're gonna see a, a darker side to the story because when we meet rocky it is the he's finally got his shot which is of course the parallel of Stallone story that Stallone had been, you know, trying desperately to break out in the industry and kept getting shut down. And then that they offered to buy the script, but they didn't want him to be Rocky. And he held it out and was like, no way I'm going to be that. This is my character. Like he is the underdog story. It's why it's so compelling to me, especially now watching it that you know that about Stallone, you know that about Rocky and that mm-hmm. parallel is awesome. But going backwards like you're you're not going to see some guy that i think i don't know that will love like you'll yeah. you'll want him to get to the point that he is but he's going to be doing things to survive and it could be really compelling or it could be written poorly and and maybe overdone or can ken stallone paint rocky as a a loser because that's what he has to be yes for the first film to work right like for yeah. it to not take away what happens in that first film he has to be depicted as Not good. Uh, Not necessarily bad, but not good at anything. He's just barely getting there.
1: I'm looking at the post just opening up. Sylvester says, Sylvester Stallone says, you know, MGM are excited by the prospect of this. I bet they are. But um, he's also, he's put up a bit of um, a handwritten idea, kind of on the back of a notepad. But then he's also put up more of a screenplay type shot. And it talks about Tony, who's Rocky, who is Rocky's only real friend and father figure. This will be a very colourful relationship and there's a few bits that weren't revealed in the original film which they're gonna reveal. Mm-hmm. They um as the show progresses, we will of course have the introduction of Adrian and her yeah. comical yet belligerent brother, Paulie. Having just moved with their single mother from South Philly to Rocky's depressing new neighbourhood, they are fish out of water in this new tough environment. At school, the painfully shy Adrian is shunned, and likewise Paulie gets pounded on by the thugs. Rocky dispatches them with ease and helps Paulie to his feet. So Basically, Paul, Paulie and Adrian move to um, Rocky's neighbourhood. They get picked on. Paulie gets beaten up, and Rocky, with ease, just is dispatches there, these thugs.
0: Is there any idea, like, who would play Rocky? Cause, like, no, that's what I mean. Who who
1: question. would play that? That's the big thing. Because I know St- you've got to imagine Stallone – you know how much the character means to Stallone. He's not going to yeah. pick anyone. I mean, I would like him to pick a no one. I don't want yeah, to go too. in there and see, me like – you know, not, you know, obviously not like Leo DiCaprio, but you know, I don't want to see somebody who I know. I want somebody yeah. who I like Stallone. I don't, you know, I Stallone had done things in the seventies, but
0: you know, not much. I, I don't have an issue. If the, if you look at the person and you think like, like the Sebastian Stan fan casting as Luke Skywalker, mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't unsee that now. I totally see him as Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. But I don't I can't think of anybody that makes me think of Rocky, right? Like there's nobody that comes to mind like, "Oh, he could play Rocky." What
1: about and, uh, the dude from Whiplash? Um Miles Teller. Uh I've
0: seen him in a boxing movie, right? then I uh, thought about oh, uh, not Southpaw, um, Bleed for This. Bleed for This yeah. bleed yeah, for me whatever it's called yeah. I like that movie. Um I kind of feel like that one went under the radar and but uh maybe, but he he's he, there's still something about him that's not built Quite like Stallone's a weird build, right? Because he's like yeah. he's jacked, but he's small. You know, so it's like yes, yeah, uh, yeah. No, you're right.
1: Miles, as I just thought of him pounding around those drums, like he's got a Stallonesham to him. Like he, he's got that kind of unconventional look to him. But yeah. again, same with Sebastian Stan. I mean, you can have a physical appearance, but can you be the character? Whoever That's it is, is a
0: whole, whole other point. Yeah. Uh,
1: Sebastian Stan could probably play Luke Skywalker. But could he be Luke Skywalker? Somebody else could come in and play Rocky, but can they be Rocky? It's been, but also Rocky that we haven't
0: seen before, but has to still feel like one we've seen before. The other problem too is the amount of caricature that we've seen of Rocky, right? Like Rocky yeah. has been mimicking. Yeah. Can people not do that? Can you go to an audition and I'll be like, oh, yeah! you know, like, Adrian! I can't even do it. Adrian! Adrian! But I can't yeah. do it. I um, can't do the voice. So who knows? I, I'm not opposed, but I am apprehensive. Uh, there's a lot of not great rocky content. The best way so. to put it. Yep. Yep. Um, Over to you, sir. My headline is about Seth Rogen. Um, something. I, I, you know, I feel like Seth Rogen got a bad rap at some point, and I, uh, I genuinely like him. Not like his movies aren't all great for sure, but I uh, everything I've ever read about the dude, he just seems like a cool dude to me. Like he seems uh, like a chill dude, right? Like he's he's generally got the vibe that I. Want is just like positivity, and even when he's upset about something, it's usually because someone else is, has oppressed somebody or someone has done something wrong. Ted Cruz, and and this that's the case here is uh Rogan just did this massive interview with the uh British GQ, and it covers apparently everything from his new book that he has coming out called Yearbook, which I don't know if it's like an autobiography or what, but I imagine it would uh, be a... probably and or and TV projects, movies, everything he's done, and apparently the the magazine really really focused on this kind of nothing story about Emma Watson quote unquote storming off the set of this is the end. And uh, I saw this headline on socials. I didn't read it, but I saw the man. I, I think I read, um, someone else posted about Rogan's response to the article. Uh, and what Rogan said really, was what made me like draw to this. Um, one, because I like, I think this is the end is really funny and That's, interesting. Yep. Um, I have I haven't seen it in years, but I saw it in the theater when it came out, and I watched it again on like HBO or something like the year after it came out or whatever. And uh, I I remember really loving the Michael Sarah bit because I was a (laughs) Pilgrim fan. I had just like found Scott Pilgrim, and then that movie came out, and I was like, "Oh, this is great." Um, and I like the guys. Like I like Danny McBride, and I like Jonah Hill. Usually, and I I found the movie an interesting idea to like autobiographical fiction. You know, it's like these are our actual friends. Um, also I'm not a big James Franco fan and I love how they treat Franco in that movie. Cause they, him <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and so and Channing Tatum turns up, doesn't it? Oh yes. And that's actually, uh, <laughs> apparently the, the source of the conflict is she was supposed to be in those later scenes and it was written different than how it played out on set. Cause they're, they're a group of, they, they write, but they improv, right? So, it, so she is, got uncomfortable. It says Channing and, Tatum was like, on a leash with a geek yeah, holding him. That's it basically. Yeah. Right. And, um, <laughs> apparently uh you know rogan rogan's so like he's like i don't understand why this went so viral um that the story like she did not start storm off the the set and it's it's messed up to think she didn't agree with what had happened she wasn't comfortable there was a very cordial kind of agreement like there was Fair nothing, enough he couldn't be more like civil and even apologetic he's like i feel like i probably could have handled it better at the time um you know like i i should have been more upfront with her about what was going to happen like that he put her in a situation where she would even have to walk off is like his point like yeah, yeah. it's it's such a positive response and i love so much of what he said in his response uh, on social media it was just it was refreshing cuz so often uh these stories are negative in the in terms of the actor and instead this is negative in terms of the magazine it's a reminder um, and it's not one of those things I feel like we're too quick to like fake news and, and act like news is inherently bad. It's not. Can it be for sure? Just like sometimes the news is reporting things we should know about. We need to know about. the, yeah, the things. So it needs to be a balance. And I think it's good that Rogan calls them out on this. And I think other news outlets covering it as that, that this news outlet harped on the wrong thing. They saw clickbait. They saw yeah. it's British GQ. Emma Watson's a darling, right? She's re- kind of retiring. I think from acting is what I last saw. So it um, seems quote unquote. I mean, you, you don't have to retire. You can just not mm. act and then act again 20 years from now and everyone yeah, will man. be excited. But I love Rogan coming out. And again, he didn't have to, he could have just, cause he didn't say it right. Like it's them focusing on this one story, but the fact yeah. that he was like, you know what? Hold on. I don't want her to get any bad publicity from this. Cause that was not the point of that conversation and it was not what happened. And I think it's really cool. And again, it just, it, re- it re- reminds me why I liked him. I, I, I love his whole kind of presence and vibe. And again, I don't love all of his movies. I do like a lot. I find some of his to be some of my most rewatchable comedies in the last, you know, 15 years. Um, I don't know how many times I've seen pineapple express. It's my one favorite <laughs> performance of James Franco. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I, I do like, uh, Rogan so good for him
1: yeah it felt almost like a bit like entrapment really that you know we we hear that Emma Watson stormed off the set and uh, Seth Rogen also strikes me as the kind of guy where if it happened he'd just be like oh, oh, oh that, yeah that happened but we're not going to go into it type thing I can imagine him being like yeah that did happen but you know yeah. if if it, if it happened and it wasn't good I can imagine him fronting up and being like yeah it happened but now's not the time um, but the fact that he came out and just was like this just this, this never happened or this is the reason why it wasn't anything like you guys are making out You know, thing it's a film set disagreements happen essentially which it was a workplace disagreement which could happen in a school in an office in a retail store you know how many times have people but maybe listening had it had a had a little argument with their supervisor their boss and kind of just gone to the bathroom to kind of you know clear their head and maybe come back again yeah. it's just something like it felt like something like that and you know what it it kind of makes it that they want to paint Emma Watson almost as like a problem act. And I think she's had that stigma to her, that she's a bit of a diva, she's a bit of a problem on set because she's English and speaks with a posh accent, I think. But um, look, also, if shes I heard Rupert Grint made over over $100 million in that from Harry Potter. I imagine Emma Watson's made a little bit more. She's fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd like to see her in more stuff because I think she was good in Little Women as part of the ensemble. Agreed. Um, I'd like to see a pop up I, Emma Watson has never struck me as the sort of person who will go and do a, an, a superhero film, then go do a period drama, and then go and do like a thriller type thing. She always she she seems like the kind of person who will do you know maybe she might pop up once a year if that in a film.
0: Well, I like her you know? in *Perks Being a Wallflower* a lot. Yeah, I, man. I, I you know I didn't love the *Beauty and the Beast* remake. I didn't think she was the problem with it. Um, I think no. the whole thing's kind of a problem. But well, she, she's um, in a,
1: the circle with Tom Hanks and John Boyega, and that was.
0: Yeah. much to do about nothing uh, i yeah. wish that was good i really well, She was to
1: supposed to be... be in la la land until she couldn't make it and emma watson jumped in miles yeah. teller and emma watson was it, it was going uh, yeah, uh, to be yeah she went and, um, to beauty and the
0: beast though i uh dude i am
1: quite pleased that happened nothing against emma watson but you know goslin and stone come on but i think it's good that he came out and was like no this is a nothing yeah. story and let's just nip it in the bud right there so
0: right. Yeah, i'm pleased for it and that is our chopped headlines let's move into media consumption this is what the movies tv video games music podcasts, etc that we've been using uh to pass the time i feel like there's a video game that i played but i don't remember what it was but nonetheless matt what have you been uh consuming
1: uh it's a very short one this week for me my friend really quite short i haven't really watched an awful lot um partly because i've been recording stuff or just chilling out really it's the uh the kids are off school for the minute, so during the day, I'd usually watch a bit more. I haven't had the chance to because I'm uh, spending time with the wee the wee nippers, the Padawans. ones. And over the weekend, there was just stuff going on this weekend, so I didn't really watch too much. So I went back to the world. And speaking of Miles Teller, I watched Whiplash because mm. uh, I, I reference Sky Cinema a lot. It's the the big huge cinema package over here, like theatre pack movie package, sorry, on cable. Um, so I watched Whiplash. It was there. I think Whiplash is great. Put that one back on. Uh, and then The Dark Knight kind of came on as like a recommended afterwards. I was like, Do you know what? I'm going to watch The Dark Knight as well. So I watched Whiplash and The Dark Knight. So not exactly the most fun double act, but two damn good films, to be fair. Two damn good films. Um, and then uh, it's kind of, a, and then it kind of like led into like a superhero-esque type weekend. I watched uh, Invincible on Amazon Prime. Um, I don't know if you've heard much about that.
0: I have heard a little about that. I actually very much want to watch it. Um, yeah,
1: well, I won't say anything too much about anything because I went to sit down and watch it whilst the kids were playing in the corner, um, like, you know, playing their stuff. And I turned it on, rated in the United Kingdom, around 18 plus for violence, language, and all that. I was like, yep, not quite yet. So I had to wait for them to go to bed. I only watched the first episode. They're kind of 45 to 50 minutes long. So um i really enjoyed the first one it's got a great ending to it i won't say anything first one ends on a bang it's so very good i'm going to watch the rest of them this week so by the time we get to about next week i would have watched uh the first four which it, or by then it'd be the first five so um but yeah invincible dude i i there's very much your thing i think you're going to yeah. dig it
0: i've read the i've read a few of the issues it's a robert kirkman comic book so that's the creator of yeah. the walking dead he, he these two are the big his babies, invincible and um, this is a long time coming. And there's a lot of good voice actors, but Dude. I don't know if just voice actors of the cast that I've heard is on the show is pretty, pretty strong. Seth
1: Rogen's in it, man. I'm, this is what ah. drew me to it because, you know, I, I wouldn't usually watch an animated superhero thing, not because I, they're, they're beneath me. No, it's just, I've never really, even though I really, really want to, because like some of the DC output, I really want to go and check some of those old DC classic animated films, but you've got Steven Yeun, JK Simmons, Seth Rogen, our boy, Mark Hamill, Zazie Beat, Sandra Oh, yeah. Jason Manzoukas, Walter Goggins, Gillian, um, I've forgotten her name, but it will come yes. to me in a minute. Yeah, that's it. There's some uh, May Whitman, Max Burkholder, the, the kid from The Purge, who I really wanted to be purged, is in this. John Ham's in it, Mahershala Ali, Ezra Miller, uh, I mentioned his name, Clancy Brown, Ross Markwand, uh, Jonathan Groff, my boy from Frozen. I mean, honestly, the list yeah. goes on. Yeah, this on cast. And on. Jimon Hunso, he turns up in everything. Of course he's in this it's a step again you know voice doesn't make a great character but so far i'm digging it i'm really enjoying uh, it and you're gonna few, love it
0: a few people from walking dead but ross marquand um is a really talented voice actor but he <laughs> is on walking dead but uh he does there's a podcast i talked about last year called blockbuster um where yeah yeah i like uh, that he, one as well he did the the voice of cameron if i'm not mistaken i think he was james cameron in that whole series um he's he's very very good and so, so he did I, yeah i am excited to uh to dive into this, especially J.K. Simmons and Steven Young, man. Like I Dude, like that. it's
1: a stacked cast, man. Um, so yeah, check it. I won't say anything about it though, but I've still got to watch the other three. And I did eventually catch the second episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We both, I think we both enjoyed the first episode. We liked it. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen a lot of people on, I was late to the party of the second episode. I've seen a lot of people saying, well, the second episode wasn't really very good. It wasn't what I wanted. I thought the second episode was all right. I thought it was decent enough. Look, it's got White Russell in it. I love it, it, it's Kurt Russell's boy. I like White Russell, Overlord, Goon Two, all the other things he's in. I, you know, I like where they're taking this. Was it as dynamic or as exciting as maybe the first one was? Certainly the beginning of the first one, probably not. But it's set, it's setting up its story. It's how I see it. as in in the next episode or so. This is going to go. This is going to go big. I think so. I enjoyed it, man. But I know you watched it as well.
0: Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Actually, mm-hmm. I um, I found the the action sequence on the semis to be very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked. I actually thought what was missing from the first episode was the dynamic of Bucky and Falcon together. Is that yep. we didn't get, get Sam and Bucky together, yeah. and I don't know if I fully understand their dynamic based on what we had seen previously in the movies. Cause in the movies, they're always more in the background and they're kind mm-hmm. of alluded to being good friends.
1: Yep. Um, yeah, I especially really.
0: think in civil war. I feel like that was the implication like they, that they had been hanging out a lot and I didn't get, I feel like the, the tension between them didn't fully make sense. Um, it, it did. Okay. To clarify, the tension, because of the thing we've seen in the show, makes sense. But there's yep. an illusion that they haven't spoken to each other, and that I didn't understand. Like, why mm-hmm. though? Because you guys were speaking all the time. as the implication yep. we got before? Um, granted, there was a five year blip, but you guys were both gone, so that had no bearing on your <laughs> yeah, relationship. Yeah, he, he can't use uh, that as a reason to be annoyed at all. So, you didn't yeah. talk to me for five years. What did to do? So I don't know where that came from, <laughs> and that's the only thing that felt unexplained to me. But. I like a lot of the, the commentary that's clearly being made about race and the legacy that's left behind. Oh, and um, I've seen some really great analysis stuff on, on like TikTok and stuff that I thought was really cool. So I I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of all in on the show. Uh, and I didn't think I would be, um, I especially, I didn't think I would be in on any of these Marvel shows. And so far Same. they've both been out, out of the park, really engaging. Um, that's what I said last week is I wasn't excited for one division. Loved it.
1: I definitely wasn't excited for this because I thought it was going to be bang, bang testosterone. No, I'm going to say now I'm not going to go three times. I've said to you, Loki's going to be amazing. I'm so, I'm so excited. It's going to be the
0: best thing ever. I don't really believe that, but it's going to be so good. So now I've said it. I, my concern with that is that Hiddleston, everything I've tried to watch with him in the lead has not been great. Like, uh, I don't know if you saw, Crimson, I saw the uh, light peak okay i like crimson peak um but i will i will argue that that's a way why is which the girl which it, well no, it's not what is that that i know uh it's was it's like w- oh, oh Mia a from, yeah uh, yeah mia wasikowski whatever yeah, we could have said a name of the last show we did in Al- alice in wonderland alice in wonderland uh, um i think that's her movie so i'm gonna give her the lead there and chastain is like the villain but um but like Haleson's I Saw the Light was not great. And uh although I think now that I think about that, that's um is Olsen in that? Is that his wife in that? Anyways, I don't know. Um it, it was not a good movie. Uh, I wanted it to be too and it wasn't. But um nonetheless, uh and High Rise, I thought mediocre version of Snowpiercer. But um mm-hmm. Mia Wasakowska. But nevertheless, uh I, I'm enjoying Falcon and Winter Soldier and I'm looking forward to episode three. Um Yep, same. But i I want to actually stay with T V for a minute. I I've been watching Star Trek the original series on Hulu. Um, dude, I I am I'm I'm in, man. I'm I having a, a blast with the old Star Trek. Like, there's some, there's an episode where there's a a a, a bad version of Kirk. Like, he's his personality <laughs> is split, and that's I think the first time Shatner gets to be Shatner because he's like yeah. super over the top. And like, there's the the shots they use. They use like almost a fisheye lens, like close up, where he's just like super exaggerated facial features. He's really caked on the eyeliner to like <laughs> emphasize his eyes. And I just, I, I found it so fun. And um, I'm really enjoying the uh, the old series. Um, there's the episode I'm on now. I'm actually in the middle of like a, a two part episode, and um, it's like the most serious the first season has gotten because it's mm-hmm. like Spock has like broken some major rules, and I'm like totally invested. And I always have like spock even when i wasn't really a star trek fan i've always found him to be really like interesting like the you did the the live long and prosper and the vulcan nerve pinch and all that i've always known about (laughs) spock yep um man i'm really growing to appreciate nimoy though like nimoy's just so so much uh a talent um but uh then why i haven't watched the second episode is i i've been meaning to get to this show called search party for some time I haven't heard of this it was a TBS series uh a few years I think 2016 it started um it stars Aaliyah Shawkat who I am a big fan of you might know her as maybe on Arrested Development and Mm -hmm. she's in a few movies that I'm a fan of like Whip It with uh now Elliot Page um Whip It directed by Drew Barrymore really really underrated movie in my opinion um but uh, I'd heard of it I remember seeing it it looked interesting um I finally decided it's on HBO Max now. So they brought it back. Uh, they did season four. It dropped a few months ago um, on HBO Max. It's like now in an HBO series and um, I've been wanting to get to it. So I watched all of season one. There's like 10 episodes They're Like, I think about a half hour. Um, it's a dark comedy is I think how you would describe it. Like, but it, it has like a dramatic edge to it. It's, it's so engaging. It's so like the characters are pretty awful. <laughs> and you're not supposed to like root for them yeah, um, yeah. I find I find that to be really I feel, but I feel like they are more empathetic than, than some other ones. But like, yeah, at the same time, you're, you're not, you're, it's almost like, Oh, why are you doing this? Like what? I see that your life isn't the best, but stop doing those things you're doing. <laughs> um, and then I, I had, I'd forgotten, I knew this, but I'd forgotten when I was watching it, that Griffin Newman, who is, uh, of the blank check podcast yep. has a couple of, uh, episodes at least where he's a character who is, he's so great. And I, was- I was very excited to see him on the show. <laughs> um, Keeping in mind that I got into the Blank Check podcast because I was a fan of the Tick uh, TV series <laughs> yeah. on Amazon, and he's Arthur on the Tick. Uh, R.I.P. the Tick. It's, it's such a disappointing ending. I wish we could have got a movie at least. But um, so uh, those are the shows I've been watching. But then I, I listened to my Blank Check podcast. Uh, this week was the Blankies, which is their kind of like our Vampies. Uh, they do their their awards and uh, getting ready for the Oscars, and uh, always enjoy listening yeah. to those. Um, and then I've watched a bunch of movies. I finished the Martin Scorsese. Uh, filmography. Yes, Watch New York, New York. Kunden. Um Kundun is fantastic, by the way. And I knew so little about the Dalai Lama that it, it really opened my eyes to this whole story. And I'm just so so intrigued by the Dalai Lama story, specifically the, our current Dalai Lama. Um, I don't know if I should say our because I'm I'm not a Buddhist, but uh,
1: I, <laughs> the current uh,
0: the current. Um, current. But uh, really enjoyed that. Um, well, Corey and I watched The Crying Game for Movie Club, oh, and yes. I was blown away with how we both we both loved the movie and i was so surprised at how like like 40 minutes of the movie is at the beginning with them with forrest whitaker and it's like i didn't i wouldn't have expected that scene to be so engaging because it's literally just like two guys in a like in a garage basically talking for most of it but man i was hooked in and i found the performances to just be outstanding really loved that movie
1: i haven't i'm going to listen to this one uh, as I do with some most anyway because I think that I feel i saw that film I, we studied it about 20 years ago uh, and of course the twist which I'm not going to reveal i know i know that you knew what it was uh, I, I remember somebody <laughs> one of the guys in my class mark he was uh, he you know he was enjoying the film and he was uh, he was most displeased he vocalized his disappointment at the twist yeah. and we had a bit of fun, uh,
0: jabbed a bit of fun with him but did Corey know the twist going in I don't think so. Um, wow, if I, okay. I, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I, I believe she went in completely unknowing. I had actually seen that when I was a kid, like my mom had rented the movie and I don't remember if I watched the entire movie with her, if I just watched that moment. Yep. Um, but I definitely had seen the twist and uh, so I, I've never forgotten it. Um, I didn't yeah. understand. I definitely didn't understand the context of their relationship. Like I did now, like how, though the context is so messed up the context is more messed up than that secret in reality like why they're together at all is like wow that's messed up but um and again uh it shouldn't have been a like the implication by dill is that it shouldn't have been a secret at all and it was Mm -hmm. uh, only his oblivious nature that led that but um it is we we did talk about it's a very progressive film for the time and even um, absolutely that your class seemed to be kind of jabbing at the one guy who was uncomfortable with it here it probably would have been like 90 percent of the class was uncomfortable with it and one guy would have been like being picked on for not having a problem with it or something exactly like that. he was a very he, like you say it's
1: very progressive neil jordan isn't it he um, yeah he did greta recently which i quite liked
0: oh see i did nobody like else that. did <laughs> yeah nobody else liked it um so, then I watched, uh, because of the Blank Check podcast, they're going to be covering Elaine May's filmography. Nice. Um, and I watched her first uh, film that she also co-stars with Walter Matthau, um, and uh, called A New Leaf. I Man, it is a dark comedy. It almost has... It's a dark romantic comedy, which is mm. also compelling i found it really great Uh, i love i'm a walter Matthau fan but i've never seen him in this kind of role before um and i really really liked it i've seen him he often does comedies you know i love the odd couple i I, as a kid dennis the menace was like a a favorite of mine um yeah yeah. uh so yeah i I really found this film to be super fun um definitely worth checking out and uh, i found his character arc to be great Uh, i really liked him elaine may is very good um
1: She's very good at, or she's known for improv and awful lot, wasn't she, Elaine?
0: I I know very little about her, except that she worked with Mike Nichols a lot, and she's only got, like, uh, four or five films, and a couple of them are very, very hard to get to. Um, Like, she did the original version of The Heartbreak Kid that Ben Stiller would then do the remake of. Early 70s, yeah. Yeah, and you can't, like, get it anywhere. Like, you have to order a disc, and it's, like, 25 bucks to get the disc. Um, It's out of print for some reason, Um, and I really want to see it. If there was
1: a blockbuster around, maybe we could have had that.
0: But then uh, she does Mikey and Nikki, which I'm very much looking forward to. It's got Columbo in it. Um,
1: she wrote The Birdcage as well from 20-odd years ago, 30 years ago. The
0: Robin Williams movie? Mike
1: Nichols. So yeah, oh,
0: Williams, yeah, yeah, I knew Mike Nichols directed it. I didn't realize she was connected to it. Her last film is, I guess, kind of kills her career, is Ishtar, um, which I am definitely going to be watching here soon, uh, all because <laughs> of the <laughs> Um And then uh, the last movie I watched is uh, Charade, um, yep. which also had Walter Matthau, which was a surprise, <laughs> but I was not expecting. I was like, oh, look at that. Um, here he is again. And uh, I, it's been on my radar for a while for two reasons. Uh, blank check podcast again, not because they covered Charade. Mm-hmm. They actually covered the remake of Charade. Do you know this exists? No. It's a movie called Good Luck, Charlie, and it stars Zoe Saldana and Mark Wahlberg. Oh. Um, and <laughs> it's directed by, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Hang on. I think it's good luck, Charlie. Let me confirm, um, Marky Mark in though. Good luck, Charlie. No, I'm wrong. It's not called that. Hold on. I think it's Jonathan Demme movie. Um, okay. Hang on. I'm so sorry. Everybody.
1: No, I'm just thinking about how, uh, Mark Wahlberg, how, how, what kind of, uh, performance is he putting in it? Is he, oh, is he good sorry. Mark Wahlberg or bad Mark Wahlberg?
0: Well, the blank podcast, uh, it was not good. Mark Wahlberg. It is called Uh-oh. the truth about Charlie. Sorry. I think Good Luck Charlie was a Disney TV Never series. I heard about uh, that one. No, it's from 2002. It's not even that old. That's the thing. I, I bought this. The reason I own <laughs> it, the reason I decided to purchase it is if you look hard enough, there is a DVD that comes with Charade. You get both movies for the oh, same price. Um, and so that's what I did. Uh, you So, like, um, oh, I'm sorry. It is not Zoe Saldana. It is Thandy Newton. I've, mis- I've not seen it. I've misremembered mm-hmm. mis- who was in it. Mark I Wahlberg. I want to say either yeah the the, the <laughs> podcast did not bode well for it um and watching charade i can't imagine because charade shouldn't work like charade is zany it is so over especially when you say it's it's carrie grant and audrey Hepburn. well it's got to be like a romantic comedy You'd and i think like,
1: it'd be pretty straight live, straight edge yeah
0: and it is a romantic comedy but it's zany romantic comedy that, like, it, it, there are so many it's like what if M. Night Shyamalan wrote a romantic comedy in 1963? Because it's got so many twists. Uh, Romance but, thriller. Wow. Um, but yeah, so I don't know why Demi remade it. I can't remember the episode. I remember them talking about it. I, I'm trying to remember like what prompted him to do this remake of this kind of obscure. Because uh, like, it's, it's at the end of Cary Grant's career, basically. Yes, it, George Kennedy's um, in it as well. Oh, dude. Dude, so many people that you're just like, oh, he's from that one movie, and he's from the... <laughs> He he's oh, from um uh Cool Hand Luke and like yeah you're just oh, like man. um it's it's and then again Walter Matthau's in there uh I'm check it, it's, out. it's super it's super interesting um very very zany though to say the least but yeah that was that's what I've been watching um I don't think I left anything out I do uh I did oh uh, sorry sorry I almost spoiled the last thing so hold on oh, um, well, hold on whoa 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 that's what we've been consuming but before we end the podcast Matt and I have to talk about how. We manage to keep up our energy levels. You know, people, there's a lot of talk about metabolism and quinoa and things of that nature. And that's to stay healthy. But the question that people should be asking is, how does one stay bloody awesome? Because it's not easy. It takes a lot of work. And that's what I want to know, Matt. What have you been doing to keep the awesome level so bloody high? It's tough, man. I've just been uh,
1: reacquainted myself with nature. And I don't mean I've been walking around naked. I've just been walking around, basically. I've spent the last few weeks just on my backside, basically. It's kind of it's lockdown blues. It's, like um, I said, the kids are at school. The, kid, the kids have been home for so long, been homeschooled and whatnot because of lo- the pandemic. There was about a four-week, three or four-week period where they went back to school. They're like, right, I've got six hours of the day to myself here. Let's cram as many movies in. Let's start reading books, audio books, and start doing podcast bits and bobs and that. To the point where I was like, right, I'm going to cram in as much as possible. So I sat down on my big backside, drank tea, ate rubbish, literally ate so much bad stuff. Um, it's John's fault. Because um, he doesn't eat it. I have to. Uh, and I was like, you know, I just need to get out. Um, as I mentioned, it's Easter holidays here. The kids are broken up. So just got out walking again and gets them out. And it tires them out. Both snoring now. Brilliant. Um, but it's is good for, it's like you say, you mentioned things like metabolism. It's good to get out and get the blood pumping again. I then came home and I was like, right, I'm now ready to take on the world. I'm ready to sit down and watch or play whatever, or go and make spaghetti bolognese to convince myself I like it. As I mentioned to John off it. Yeah. Um, and it was fine, but no, I started walking and that's really boring. And it may, you may think, how's that bloody awesome? Honestly, just walk, get out, and walk. If you usually, if you usually leave your, your house and turn right tomorrow, turn left. And you just, you never know what's around the corner. There's like, there's so much hidden stuff out there. It's great. Um, That's the tourist guiding me there. But there so yeah, but I went a different, I went to a different place today and it was great. We had a good time for about 90 minutes, two hours. Um, And they came back knackered. I came back ready to pod with John Burke. But
0: how about you, my friend? Cause you almost spoiled how you've been staying bloody awesome? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I was, I was about to mention that I was uh super excited. Um, I've been waiting for a while to buy a 4k television, yeah. um, and I finally caved and uh, I, pro- I still probably shouldn't have bought it, but I did. I got a new <laughs> entertainment center and a, a it's new an investment. TV. I, I, I upgraded from a 43 inch to a 50 inch, which I mean, I grew up my first TV that I had as a kid, which I probably had a TV in my room earlier than a lot of kids. Um, but it was like a 13 inch like TV with like the yeah. dial knobs. Uh, that uh, I had yeah. my, my Nintendo was hooked up to it. That's all I, I had. Back to uh, it as well. W- yes. It was like a, 40 pound box right Like this is a, giant yeah. box. and Good then times. um at some point i got like a, a 30 inch television in my bedroom like when i was like 10 or 11 or something like that mm-hmm. and then uh I, I i remember when we got our first 43 inch tv i was like my mind was blown it was our first wise yeah. y- tv and it it's we still it's still our living room tv actually uh knock on wood that it's okay um but uh you know i had I had a forty-three inch TV I got for the, the quote unquote man room, the the media room where I have my wife wanted the TVs for like I mm. I don't want to watch you play video games all the time. So here's a room. Like go go, go play games and watch your movies in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> go and do your kids' stuff in there, go on. Well and then, you know, over when I started Burke Reviews, she got me like the movie theater style recliner, you know, that has yes. this like the electric recliner with the cup holders and the like little storage things. And it was she's really way too good to me with, with this room. And I've never asked for this. Uh, she just, she just wanted, she knows how much movies and media mean to me. And she gave me a space where I can explore that. And, um, and even when I, I like brought up the TV, she was immediately like, yes, you should do it. I'm like, but should I, She's like you, you, you deserve it. And I don't, I don't think I do, but I yes, appreciate you her saying it. Um, but so the biggest thing that I want to take away is I got a smart TV. It's got a built in Roku to the TV. And yep. I, Roku was like my first, I had bought a Roku stick, like when streaming boxes were first a thing. And I was like, cool. And I haven't used Roku in a long time. Um, I am currently like, why does anyone have anything other than Roku? Because <laughs> we have a fire stick in our, our bedroom TV yep. and it's cool, but Amazon is really restrictive with what apps are available for it. Yeah, yeah. And, and then we had an Apple TV, like that we had like one of the first edition Apple TVs. Um, I buy a lot of crap, folks. And uh, <laughs> it, it was very, the original, like, structure for Apple TV was very limited, right? It was just, like, the four apps that included you yeah, couldn't yeah. download anything. The new ones are a little better. But, man, I am so excited about having a TV with everything built in. For one, my TV remote has a button that says Netflix. I can yeah. just click Netflix, and it's automatically Is on that? my TV. Yep. Um, but more, uh, I have, there's a service called Hoopla and Canopy that are both free with a library card. And you can rent 10 to, I think 10 movies on Hoopla, 14 movies on Canopy every month. That's great. And it's been great, but I've had to watch them on my computer or my phone. Mm -hmm. There's a Roku app for both of those. So now I can watch those on my big screen TV. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is amazing. Uh, Yeah. I'm just so excited to have like all of these uh, streaming in movie which i've had really? i get a, i get a membership for movie because i teach at a college and it's included for college professors man. so i get movie boom it's there's an app on the tv i've always had to watch movie on my computer so i've rarely used it because like i don't want to watch a movie on my computer unless it's the only place i can watch yeah. it now my new tv that's 50 inches uh is ready on it. to go every literally every app that i can possibly have and um That was like when I went to watch Charade. Uh, I, I don't know if I got the best version I could have watched. It looked, I watched it on Prime because there, but there are two versions on Prime that are both free with Prime. And I picked one of them. It looked kind of bad to me. So I don't know if the other one would have looked better. This is interesting. I'm going to remember that. So I should have stopped it and gone to the other one, but I was like, you know what? Fine. I'm just going to, I'm going to assume they're the same, but, um, and I should have looked for my DVD because I literally, like I said, I bought the stupid <laughs> other movie and I have it on disc, but, I was but like, you've got the TV. It.
1: It's now. easier to do it. Right. Exactly. Amen. So
0: that's what I did. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm extremely happy. Not only, um, it, it did three things. Uh, so I got the new TV that I've wanted for a while. I've had, sure. I have 4k DVDs or I'm sorry, 4k Blu-rays that I've, I've never been able to watch on 4k. I I've watched the regular version, but like I, I bought uh, Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker 4K. I bought the last several Marvel movies in 4K um, because they were like five dollars more, and you get the extra stuff. So I was like, fine, I'll get the 4K. One day I'll have a 4K TV, mm, and now I know. do. It's the investment, um, man. And I bought. I even have an Xbox uh, One S, which is the 4K blu- Blu-ray yeah. player, so I could do this. And I've not had the TV, so I finally have that. Um, but the other thing is I bought a new entertainment center, which allowed me to clean off some stuff and it looks much nicer. But then, uh, we decided to move my room around and clean up the man room a bit. We, we decluttered. And so pipe. all of this was a, a major benefit, right? Like it was, now I have the new TV and made us kind of clean the house a bit. And also like we, we did a shuffle. We moved my old TV and entertainment center into my daughter's room. So she got to upgrade with her TV. Cause her, I think her yep. TV was like a 35 inch. And now she's got a 43 inch TV. Um, that has the other thing. Her TV was only had one HDMI port, and now her TV has two, so it was able to put the Nintendo Switch in her room, which made her really happy that she has like it on the TV and doesn't have to hold it on the little screen. Okay. And then we put her thirty inch TV in our bedroom, which we had like a twenty inch like flat screen in our bedroom. Everyone's a winner. Everyone won, and so uh, it was winner. exactly. Um, and we had our entertainment center in the living room was getting a little beat up, and we replaced it uh, with the one that was in my daughter's room. And it, it made our living room look bigger. And so my wife's really happy about that. So like, it was literally, it was like, um, a decision well, that what I we're was trying to do is
1: you're a God amongst men. who's managed to sort With one purchase. You've
0: sorted everyone out and the house. It, we, we, it made us, uh, do things. Yeah. Uh, I did. <laughs> the only thing, my only regret is I had this, I'd been thinking about doing this for a, a while. And yeah. when we got our stimulus check, I was like, maybe I should, now's the time, you know, I have the extra money. Um, and I didn't. And then, uh, I finally did it at the end of spring break. I wish I would have done it at the beginning of spring break, so I would have had the whole week yeah. with the new TV. Instead, I got it the day before I went back to work, and I've only been able to like partially enjoy my TV. <laughs> um, but yeah, I am going to try to watch um, something later tonight. Cause that's the, I, I I really pushed to get shredded last night, and I stayed up a little late doing that. Um, and again, it looked bad. I wish it was a, like a. a
1: I, I'm going to check this out in a minute when I after this, I'm going to jump on Amazon Prime and see,
0: yeah, if, if um, there are two over here in the UK and and so when we were talking about the film grain earlier that's it i almost brought it up then i was like well i'm going to talk about straight a little bit so i'll yeah, wait man. uh but but yeah so that's that's how i've been saying bloody awesome is this new a new you know for a guy who watches a lot of media having a better media system it seems important Dude, so. we all want to have we all want to watch the best
1: of the best and in the next over the next few months i'm going to do exactly the same i'm going to buy a new i'm going to get me a ps5 i'm going to get a big old tv because the one we had here broke and i remember on the old remote control we had a youtube button on the old one press the button youtube comes up and i could go down a rabbit hole for hours now i just got this pokey little thing for the minute but um I, i'm going to join you on there but a man of your status not only can you watch the best films and the best quality and the worst films too but you've also helped everyone the women in your life you've helped out as well so I, that's a big tick right there
0: yeah and i am grateful that they uh, both encouraged me to make the purchase because again i i probably wouldn't have and uh I'm glad they were they were cool about it and encouraged it. So. Like I
1: said a few times, it is an investment. You, you might spend a bit more than you want, but that thing's going to last for probably best part of a decade.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the hope. Uh, okay. Well, I'll be watching next week on my new TV, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Which yes. again, that's that's actually the reason Good I need to as the, well. the biggest screen. Yep, I could see this movie on. Uh, I'm not willing to go to the theater just yet. I'm so close. If they delayed it another month. I'd be there in a heartbeat. I will probably I like catch it. Yeah.
1: I'm,
0: I'm expecting, unless I don't like the movie, but if I like the movie, I'm totally going to go see it on a big screen. Cause I, I there's not going to be a lot playing until the end of May. Nope. Uh, and I'm going to the theater two weeks after I get my second shot for sure. Uh, so I will see whatever's there. And if, if I like Godzilla Kong, I will check it out on the, the theater, but that's what we're going to be reviewing next week. Uh, we're going to be reviewing Godzilla versus Kong coming to theaters and HBO max. Um, all over the place which one Matt? are you uh, if if, if cool. this is a versus who what's the Bamp Godzilla? which one are you Godzilla or are you kong i feel like i'm i, I you know what i before king of monsters i would have wholeheartedly said godzilla <laughs> but based on the current franchise i think i like kong more i i enjoyed skull island a lot i liked that uh, one And so, uh, but I did like the 2014 Godzilla, but I definitely had more fun with Skull Island. Um, Godzilla versus King John. Yes, there it is. (laughs) Godzilla versus King John. Yes. Uh, Although that sounds way too too close to a North Korean ruler, and so I don't know if I like King John. Yeah, uh, Godzilla just sounds awful. Sounds terrible. I don't want to know what that is. But there it is. Uh, We will be back to review that. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media uh, at Instagram. We're at bloody awesome movie pod. And where can they find us on Twitter, Matt? At BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P. And if you're still feeding the Zuck, you can go to Facebook and search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast and follow us there. Um, individually, you can follow me at burkreviews.com and burkreviews on all the social media. And Matt, what about you? Uh, what I Watch Tonight at uk. Uh, what I watch tonight across all the social medias, and
1: if you do Zuck the Berg on Facebook too, but, you know, it's not very often.
0: And letterbox as well, letterbox. Yes, I love the letterbox. Um If you t- to have a moment and you can just take a little bit of time to give the podcast a five-star rating on whatever podcast catcher you use, it will help other people find us and we would be ever so grateful. Um, we won't be uh, saying that your mother's name is Martha too. Um, or Why Would you say that name? It's Mothra. Um, anyways, with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay... Bloody awesome. Blood, blood, blood,
1: blood, blood, blood,
0: blood, 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 blood,